There are any number of reasons we can be discouraged in the work that the Lord has given us. We can hear of all the great things God has done in the past and be left wondering why we're not seeing it in our day. But it just may be that we're laying a foundation for something good ahead. Hello everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen and this is The Bread of Life. This program is brought to you by Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn more about our reach around the world, go to traincpe.org. And to learn about our missions fellowship in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. We turn now to Haggai chapter 2, verses 1-8. through 8. God is speaking to a remnant of Jews who are looking over the meager foundation they've laid to reconstruct the temple in Jerusalem, and they are discouraged at what they've produced and what they can offer. But God is going to give them encouragement, encouragement that we all need to sustain ourselves in God's call and God's work for our lives. There, in 1 Corinthians 1.26, Paul says to the Holy Spirit, You see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Paul gets more descriptive in verses 27 and 28. There we're called the foolish things, and the weak things, and the base things, and the nothings of the world. (laughs) But then... Paul says to the Holy Spirit that God has used us to put to shame those who think they're wise and those who think they're strong and those who think they're powerful and those who think they're something important to put them to shame. As God uses us so that he alone gets the glory. I know how it works. I think I've shared this story before. I know I shared this just recently with some members of our church. When I was a little boy, I had a toy. It was a Roy Rogers toy. And I really, you know, and I used to watch. There were still reruns of Roy Rogers with Trigger on television on Saturday mornings. So we watched the Roy Rogers reruns. And I heard that Roy Rogers was going to be performing as the key performer at the Snake River Stampede. I had also heard that he was a Christian. And so I started praying as a young boy that he would come. I figured, you know, he's got to go to church on Sunday somewhere. Maybe he'll come to my church. And so I started months in advance praying that Roy Rogers would come to my church. And then, I'm only about 10 years old or so, then I started looking around at the members of my church and the people who were doing things. And I remember thinking, I wouldn't want him to see this person, and I wouldn't want him to see that person. And, but I began to think, maybe I don't want Roy Rogers to come to my church after all. Then I started praying really serious, Lord, don't send him to our church. I'd be too embarrassed. I'd be ashamed. And, The nothings, the nobodies, the despised, the base, the weak, the foolish. Us. Us. God calls us. So if you look and you look over what you do for God, and you look over what you have to offer for God, and you look over your own capacities, and a tear comes to your eyes because of it, because it seems so great and your abilities seem not so much, it's a good thing. It's all right. It's enough if what you realize is what you are and what little you are is placed in the hands of the Lord Jesus and in his hands he can make something of it. The Lord Jesus, before he went to the cross, told his disciples, uh, you remember when I sent you out and I told you not to take a bag with you and not to take any money and not to take a cloak? Well, now if you've got an extra cloak, take your, if you've got an extra bag, take a bag with your money in it and, and, and grab a sword as well. And, and then the disciples must have taken them seriously because they scoured the house and they came up and they had two swords. So they said, Lord, here are two swords. We got two swords among us. And the Lord Jesus says, it's enough. That's enough. That'll do. 
Two swords. They had no idea what was coming against them and what they were going to be sent out to do and accomplish. But how can two swords be enough? Because it's all they had. And they gave it to the Lord Jesus. And it was enough. Another setting that discouraged them, and it was the remembrance of lost glory. Not only is it the thought and the setting of the day of little things, but it's also setting of the remembrance of lost glory. There were those among them who had seen Solomon's temple and could not help but lament at the meager expression of God's temple that was in that dusty foundation. And as the people gathered to raise up a noise of praise on that last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, their voices were almost drowned out by others who were raising up their voices and lament and weeping at what was before them. Some were celebrating, some were weeping. You could hardly discern between the two. In fact, Ezra tells us about it in Ezra chapter 3, verses 12 to 13. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of the fathers' houses, old men who had seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this temple was laid before their eyes. Yet many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. Some people were celebrating and shouting, Woo, this is great! And the older people were going, Oh, this is horrible! This is horrible! Well, what do we say to this? Well, I would say that there's great value in recollecting God's outpoured grace in days upon past generations. It's a benefit for us to look back in the past and see how God has poured out His Spirit and His blessing to empower and work and do mighty deeds through past generations. But having said that, just keep in mind that every season of outpoured blessing that is recorded in the history of God's people was built upon meager foundations that faithful people laid in a time of barrenness and dryness. When it had not been approached, when the blessing in a sense had not come, and yet as they labored and they worked, God established on them and in their faithfulness a foundation from which he would do something mighty in the future. We must not be discouraged because we do not see God doing what God has done once before. Just know that what God has done in the past is but a foretaste of what God can and will do in the future. Don't be discouraged in the day of small things. I also just kind of as an aside, would add that the generation that remembers the good old days before everything went to pot usually share their memories without adding their memories within the proper context. If they were around when it was good and it's gone to pot, then they were around when it was sliding down into ruin and pot. They were participating or they were along for the ride downward. They may have been there at the zenith, but they were there when it went down might be better for that generation in light of those things when they see a new generation trying to get something established and started again, even though they recognize what has gone before and maybe it causes some sorrow in their heart to search their own hearts and to humble themselves before God and ask God to forgive them for their own part if they were in any way participating in the slide that took place and turning away from the faithfulness of forebears before that had built faithfully through their prayer life, the church and the body of Christ up and to ask God again to let them be a part of his next move upward in that new generation. God, let me be a part of the next thing you want to do. Let me give to you the hard work and the labor and the prayer so that I might place it down as a 
part of the foundation should your coming tarry for a new work to rise up in this place to your glory and your honor. Into this setting of small things and into this remembrance of lost glory, Haggai comes before these Jews with a word of encouragement. And we who wish to see God's church grow and see the impact of the temple of God's presence raised up in our communities should receive encouragement from the word that Haggai gives to these people. Let's just for a moment consider what the command is that he gives them. Before he gives them his encouragement, he gives them a command. And the command is simply this. In verse 4, Yet now be strong Zerubbabel, be strong Joshua, be strong all you people of the land, and work for I am with you. This is a call for them to steel themselves, to continue the work that is before them. It's a call to keep their hands at the labor. A kind of momentum has been broken in their spirits by seeing the smallness of their capacity and the great task that lies before them A momentum has been broken as others remember what God had done in the past and what has been lost and they are weeping and mourning while they're trying to get excited about what the future may hold. In all of this, God comes along to them and stirs up within them a a call before the dissipation of their enthusiasm, before the realities of the daunting, impossible task in their own calculation of diminished resources as it stares them in the face and mocks their effort the word of the Lord comes to them and says keep at it be strong continue in the labor regardless of how small it may seem and futile it may appear to you continue in it against the tide of the times and the immensity of the task I'm with you I'm with you actually there's now a series of promises that God unfolds to them and gives to them we'll have to look into this more next week but let me look at the first one God will give them this promise to fortify them in their efforts. He'll give them a promise for the present. He'll give them a promise from the past. And they'll give them promises from the future. And in the present, God simply says this in verse 4b, the end. Be strong and work for I am with you. I am with you. That's his promise. The work that God has called us to has its compensations. The greatest compensation of all is this. It's a work God's called us to. God is with us in it. He's with us in it. 2 Corinthians 5.20 is maybe one of my favorite verses. There Paul says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, or God pleading through us is how some translations have it, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The great work of presenting Christ to the world, the great work of proclaiming the good news of the gospel to others, is attended with God himself among us. The great promise here is that as we share the gospel and as we proclaim the gospel, as we seek to lift up the name of Jesus Christ, that God is speaking through us. I don't know about you, but that's intimacy. That's a profound intimacy that's realized when God is within you. And it's God's own voice and God's own longing and God's own passion and God's great desire coming out from you being expressed to others. Nothing, nothing more intimate than that. Think of that. God in my lungs, God in my voice, God in my message, God through me. Crying out, be reconciled to God. Find peace with Him. How encouraging is that? Who I go before, who I speak to, great or small, In whatever situation, as long as I speak of him, 
as long as I tell of his grace, as long as I call others into that grace and that life, as long as I promote it before each person I'm with, God delights to join me in that task and that calling in obedience to him, and he makes himself known to me, and he's present with me, and shouldn't that be enough? Isn't that enough? Isn't that what we said heaven was all about? Eternity is, this is eternal life, to know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ my son. This is eternal life, it's knowing you, being with you, experiencing you, that's eternal life, and then isn't this our brush with eternity, our taste of eternity? Just being faithful in the service he's given us, and proclaiming this message, this present thing, the Lord Jesus said, go into all the world, right? He said, go and low, go into all the world, and low, down here, I'll be with you until the end of the age. Go into all the world preaching the gospel and lo, listen, I am with you to the end of the age. And that's our reward. That's our present. It's intimacy. It's God tabernacling in our midst, coming among us. In the day of small things, when we labor and then look and see that it's so little against the great goal that we would reach and so little against the great darkness that we would dispel, we still have this assurance. Don't be afraid. Keep going to the work. I am with you. And this is our reward. And it should be enough for us. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. First, go to traincpe.org. Traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.